0: It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Happy Friday, Gamecocks. J.C. Sherbert here with the ITG Daily Podcast. I want to thank all of you for tuning in today. got a weekend coming up. Uh, Fridays are always a good day, uh, I think, unless you have to work on the weekend and if you don't like your job. But that's uh, neither here nor there. Hope everybody out there is doing well. Um Lots to talk about, uh, as always, this time of year. Uh, like I said yesterday, the the next signing day is upon us. Lots of Jordan Birch talk, uh, Tony Morrell, uh, who's my one of my co-hosts here on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast on Wednesday. Uh, we talked about it in depth. We've had little nuggets of information Thursday and Friday on com for VIP members. And it looks like, you know, Birch is going to visit, it looks like most people think that he'll end up sticking with the Gamecocks, and that's kind of the consensus of most people I've talked to. I think the LSU confidence has sort of subsided a bit coming off the visit last weekend. Um, In fact, he's visiting this weekend, but I think people are reading the tea leaves. Now, he has not shown up for his visit yet. He has a basketball game Friday night, uh, or tonight, I'm sorry. So this is going to kind of you know, play out over the next 24 hours uh, in terms of him showing up to campus. Uh, and look, I I think even if he shows up for the visit, it doesn't uh, necessarily mean that's a lock. As I've said many times, there's no locks in recruiting. Uh, I know a lot of people will feel uh, much better about the situation when he signs uh, on Wednesday, provided he signs with South Carolina and there's no last-minute changes. So that's the latest on Jordan Birch. Um, You know, Gamecocks also have Jakari Caldwell coming in. Uh, I think the question there is, is he going to shut it down over the weekend or is he going to wait until signing day? Will we have an early week decision from him? Um, That's the receiver out of Northwestern, you know, three-star guy by 24-7 Sports Composite, 24-7 Sports, which is a third of that composite ranking, uh, ranks him a 90, which is a low four. I don't blame him. I think that, you know, his senior film was four-star level. Um, and time and time again in the state of South Carolina, you know, we've seen guys that kind of – I mean, Debo Samuel was sort of that way. You know, he didn't uh, – I think he had North Carolina as an offer, maybe one more, uh, that he picked up his senior year out of Chapman and then the Gamecocks took him late. Um, it was after New Year's, I think, when they finally offered him. Um yeah, there's guys like that all over the state. You know, there's one at Saluda right now that I don't think the game Pass are going to take that uh, I think is going to be a pretty good player uh, just looking at him on film. Uh, so at the wide receiver position, you know, you, you, you kind of look at trends, and, and trends don't always mean everything, When you look at trends and it, it's not a bad deal to go and uh, take a guy that's a senior riser from within the state at the position of wide receiver in, in South Carolina. There's to- so many guys uh, that have kind of done that, that weren't necessarily on the radar, that end up going and being good players, You know, not just for the game guys, but for, for other teams. Um, it, it's kind of strange how everything sort of worked out over the years. At that position, when you're talking about guys from around the state, I was talking to a, a buddy of mine that's pretty familiar with the Clemson program about Nuke Hopkins yesterday, and uh, I think Nuke was in Marcus Lattimore's class. It was the 2010 class. Um, Gamecocks got most of the top guys in state, but but Nuke went to Clemson. He's a Daniel guy, um, and and there was a, there was talk that he was going to play safety at Clemson. Um, and then you know things happened, and uh, he ended up being um, he ended up being a uh, a stud. You know, as far as uh, he's probably one of the best receivers in the NFL, top three. Um, but he ran four nine at the Shrine Bowl Combine. There are questions about his speed, um, and you know I still don't think New Hopkins is overly fast. But you're not going to catch him, and he catches everything that you throw to him, and he's extremely athletic. Uh, so there's a lot of a lot of factors that go in. Sometimes I mean I look around the NFL and. You know, even a guy, Jerron Brown from Sherall, that went to Clemson. Uh, people were wanting him as a safety, and I swear to God, I thought that was his best position. He sp- spent some time in the NFL. You know, we've all heard the stories about Clemson not, not wanting Sidney Rice, not wanting Alshon Jeffrey, not wanting Devo Samuel, didn't want Shai Smith, wanted Brian Edwards at safety. Um, you yeah, so both major schools in the state – Uh, have produced a a gob of NFL receivers, Um, even some from within the state. You know, Clemson Hopkins and and Martavis Bryant are in-state kids um, or in-state players, and uh, the decision on where to play them and and who to take uh, is always very interesting, you know, when it comes to both those schools, and and both the schools really have done a great job over the years. Now, South Carolina coming in next year, obviously – as we talked about with Tony earlier this week, that position needs help um, or it needs answers, you know, but I sat here last off season saying they need answers. Uh, and, you know, after the spring, you identified four or five guys that could potentially help and it just did never happen. Um, you know, Josh Van struggled with drops. Uh, I thought he was a little better once he caught the ball this year, but then he gets hurt. Um, Jay Orch never played. Uh, he's got skills but never played Uh, and Joyner kept going back and forth the quarterback situation was just you know to the point where you you had to kind of rep them at both spots I I still don't think I still don't know that they'd have made a move Xavier Leggett you know true freshman he's got a chance Uh, we went through all those guys and um, it just never happened last year and so you go into this year when you lose Brian Edwards who was one of your guys and um you know, it, 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 they need some answers. I'd be hitting the transfer portal to see if there was a player I could bring in or two, even from a smaller school that's fast, that can run rounds, that's a polished guy. They exist. Um, and see if there's a fit or two that they could come in and help. I mean, you know, I think that's uh, that's something they have to look at. Not saying that'll be the big answer, but, you know, when you're talking about, you know, having to – play four or five a game you don't have to play seven play four or five a game um you know that's that's sort of something that that they got to look at but anyway that's the wide receiver position Jakari caldwell is a player that i think certainly uh, could come in and help as long as he gets ready and gets in and gets going um i think they're going to need him you know uh i think to carry joiner is a guy they're going to need as well so it's 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 interesting at that spot um so we'll see. You know, we'll see kind of what happens there uh, in terms of Caldwell, the receivers. Does he commit? Will there be a surprise? You know, is there a, there's a spot open? Will the Gamecocks sign somebody Wednesday? So Quandre White is supposed to sign with South Carolina, the running back? Um, so we'll see. We'll see kind of how everything plays out on the football recruiting trail. Of course, on the BigSpur.com this weekend, Uh, I think you can join. I think we're having a special 60% off uh, VIP membership right now. If you go sign up, get all the scoop, the Burt scoop, recruiting scoop. There's juniors on campus this weekend. They're supposed to be really good. Gamecocks are chugging away towards 2021. They got one commit from DeMarco Williams out of Atlanta. Tennessee and Arkansas have since offered. I think he'll get more. Really fast guy at defensive back. Um, And so. We'll see kind of how all that plays out with regards to the recruiting. Uh, Basketball team, up to number 75 in the net rankings. That was not released when I was recording yesterday. So they moved from 88th to 75th. uh, Game against Missouri this weekend. Missouri's a really good defensive basketball team. They're going to try to come in and guard the Gamecocks. They don't always score and shoot it that well. But when they do, they they can play. I mean, they beat... Florida, they put 91 on Florida earlier this year. Uh, but most of their games on the road have been in the 40s and 50s. They've not been able to shoot the basketball all that well. But they got they can defend. They're good a good defensive basketball team. Uh, you know, so I think they've won two conference games this year. Uh, so we'll see. This is the only time the Gamecocks have to play Missouri this season. Uh, so it's kind of good they don't have to go out there because th- this team is better at home, the Tigers. Uh, but a chance to get another win and go two games over five hundred in the conference to go to five and three with a big road game at Ole Miss coming up during the week. Uh, you know, I, a lot of talk now about the net ranking, the basketball. And, and look, I, I want to say this. I've seen some comments out there, uh, not necessarily on the big spur, but I was looking on some social media posts from some Gamecock fans. The Gamecocks do not have to win the rest of their games and, and go 15-3 and three. Uh, and twenty three and eight to make the NCAA tournament. Um, in fact, if they went fifteen and three and twenty. And they run the rest, run won the won the rest of their games. They have a good shot at winning the whole thing, the SEC championship. Because uh, I think Kentucky's probably the best team. I think they're better than LSU. Uh, and the Gamecocks still get to play LSU at home, and the Gamecocks could. You know, if they won all the other ones, they could win the tiebreaker and win the whole thing. And f- for sure, they would—they would not only be an NCAA tournament team; they'd probably be top five seed. You know, the Stetson and BU losses may keep them from being a top four, but you know we're not—we're not looking at that now. We talk twenty-three and eight—that's a top five seed. We also talk twenty and eleven as them being on the bubble, and that's the thing. You know, Gamecocks. You know, need to get 13 and five uh, in in the SEC. and I think if they do, they're in. as 21 wins, there'll be 11 games over 500, 13 and five. I mean, if, if one of those wins is LSU, that'll be a huge RPI boost. I think Mississippi State, with the way they keep playing the way they are now, will end up being an RPI boost. On the road at Alabama could be big. You know, this team's five and two on the road. If you remember the net rankings, you get some bonus points. Uh, for winning away from home. That helps your score and all that. So, you know, uh, when I'm kind of looking at it, you know, I, I don't I don't know that they have to go undefeated. I think they have to do good. I and mean, What I've said from the beginning is if they can get to 6-3 and three first, into the first half of the SEC, which means beat Missouri tomorrow night or tomorrow afternoon uh, and then go win at Ole Miss, which, which I don't think is going to be easy. I mean, Ole Miss – had Auburn on the ropes, blew a big lead at home. Auburn won by one out there. They won by 10 at Georgia. Kermit Davis is a hell of a coach. They're playing better. The Shuler kid from South Carolina, I think, had 26 against Auburn. Um, So we'll see what happens. If the game was in Columbia, I'd like South Carolina's chances quite a bit. Um, But it's not. And so you never know. It'll be another war uh, away from home for the Gamecocks. So We'll see kind of how that goes. So if you get to six and three, that's 14 and eight overall. The net's probably going to be somewhere close to 60, maybe up to like 58. And then you got the second half of the season to play and you're cooking with grease because you do have a big LSU game at home. You do play Mississippi State twice. You do play Alabama. The road game at Georgia will be pretty big because it's another road opportunity. Um, Texas AM and comes back in. Tennessee comes in. Tennessee's. Uh, right there where the Gamecocks should be in terms of the net and and would be probably, you know, again, it had not been for the two losses. So certainly they have to overcome the Stetson loss, and certainly they have to overcome the loss to Boston U. That's a given. But you you also don't – I mean, it's not like the season ended that day, you know, and it never does before conference. I mean, last year, South Carolina beats Alabama at home. Which they did not. As the game AJ Lawson got hurt. AJ Lawson doesn't get hurt. You know, South Carolina may have snuck its way onto the bubble, would have at least made the NIT. And that was after starting five and eight. You know, which in the net, if you're not you know, if you're a five hundred team, that hurts you. Uh worse than like in the RPI where if you're kind of five hundred but you've played a bunch of great teams, you're gonna you're gonna be okay. So I'm looking at it, and I'm like, well, I think – I I, I still think there's a shot. Now, you got to continue. Gamecocks have won four out of their last five games. Uh, Probably should have won – well, probably should have won Tennessee. So it should be five of six. And that game's hurting them, too. That was a one-point loss. Could go either way. But, you know, Carolina's got an opportunity. You know, pull for Clemson, pull for Virginia – pull for Kentucky uh, you know I, I think that's you know you, you got to pull for the teams you've played and particularly for the teams you've beaten so the Gamecocks you know they have a uh, a good shot so I, I want to make that clear you know Carolina does not have to win all of the rest of its basketball games to get in that that loss to Stetson did hurt I mean it's killing them right now as far as where they set up right now but we're not even through the first half of the SEC season yet You know, so there's still ball to be played, even if they'd have beaten Stetson and they fall on their face uh, during the SEC play and have some bad losses there, they they probably aren't going to get in. Um, Mike Morgan, uh, my co-host on the JC and Morgan podcast, by the way, if you love college football, check that out. He'll be calling the game Saturday. He was on Fine Bomb yesterday and was talking about the teams. You know, and he, he thinks Auburn, LSU, and Kentucky are going. And I agree. I think those two teams have a – three teams a very strong resume. Uh, then he mentioned Arkansas, uh, Florida and Mississippi State are kind of – Florida has kind of been weird. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, – I think that when you look at after that, you know, there's Tennessee and Carolina, which have a shot. And he mentioned Carolina as a team that had a shot to go. Um He's been good luck this year uh, calling Gamecock games. He called the Kentucky game and Arkansas game, arguably the two biggest wins South Carolina's had. Now he also called Tennessee. So this will be the fourth time Mike has had the Gamecocks. Uh, 3.30 p.m. tip-off, SEC Network, Colonial Life Arena. Um, Big game. I say that every game. But, you know, honestly, God, folks, they're all going to be big. I mean, there's not – and my point earlier was there is margin for error. For this basketball team, there's margin for error. Uh, you know, they you, know, you don't you, ideally you don't want to lose Saturday because it puts you really bad behind the eight ball. That means you're going to have to beat a lot of good teams to even be considered. Um, but if you hold serve, beat the teams you should, and then win a percentage of the games you shouldn't or aren't supposed to. And uh, I know Ken Palm. Uh, on the BixbyR.com today, people were talking about Kim Palm's predictions, and I like Kim Palm. I think it's a valid metric. I don't think it's a predictor of success in college basketball, and I think that statistically, uh, one of the things that brings the Gamecocks down is in the net is that they they factor in all this efficiency stuff, and I don't know, man. I, I'm, I'm I think a lot of college basketball sports writers like that. I think it's great for fans to kind of dig into. Uh, I don't think it tells you how good you are or not. I think winning and losing is the ultimate, you know, measurement of how good you are, you know. Uh, why not just factor in recruiting rankings since we're going to look at that? No, I'm, I'm just kidding about that. But, you know, that's one thing that hurts because Gamecocks, they're, they're not, you know, they're not a statistical juggernaut offensively. You know, defensively they do pretty good. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see kind of what happens. Um, you know, with the Gamecocks and basketball, I I really believe they need to make the NCAA tournament this year. They need to, and I, I think they will to, and I think they can. But whether or not the results are there, I, I just, I don't know. Uh, I think South Carolina needs to continue to just play like they've been playing. Uh, it seems like different guys step up at different times. That's fine. Um, you know, ideally, you, you'd like to have a game or 3 or 5 where everybody's playing well. <laughs> but uh you know, uh, I think that um I I think that could happen, if that happened, game guys have a good shot, but it does seem like a different night, different guys are stepping up. I understand they have to get better from the foul line. I I uh that's a frustrating thing. And it was frustrating for Frank Martin, it's frustrating for the players, frustrating for the fans, frustrating for fans of basketball. Um, to me, uh, as a football guy, I kind of liken it to dropping punts, dropping punts. You used to never, I mean, if you saw a punt dropped back in the day, it was rare and they didn't have all these protection rules or anything like that back then. Um, it was, it was a huge play if you dropped a punt nowadays, it happens probably an average of once every two games, twice every two games, really good returners do it. Um, I don't know why that is, you know, but, um, it's uh, it's it's something that they practice in football all the time, catching the punt. Uh, it's something in basketball they, you know, practice all the time making free throws. And it's it's uh, even Arkansas, who shot a bunch more than the Gamecocks did the other night, you know, they had some key misses from the foul line, and it cost. I mean, you got to just it just grates on you if you lose close games. Now, winning close games uh it doesn't matter now i think i think this year it's it's cost the Gamecocks twice just actual results saying shoot better from the foul line and they win i think they win at tennessee and i think they also uh win at against northern iowa uh down in cancun which would have been a big top 50 q1 win and so would tennessee at tennessee but uh you know, that's unfortunate, and, and that's frustrating. And, and I, I I do think the Gamecocks need to be better than bottom of the country in free-throw shooting. I mean, that's just uh, – I don't know how it is. A.J. Lawson, you know, has played, played played a really good game Wednesday night. Looked like the A.J. of old, but, you know, had some key misses from the foul line, and he's their best shooter from the foul line. So we'll see kind of what happens. Gamecocks did make eight of ten free throws at one point, though, so – We'll see kind of what happens, but three thirty p.m. Mike Morgan on the call, uh, SEC Network on TV. Those in Columbia or in the Palmetto State in general, you know, they serve beer at the arena now. For those of you that like to do that, um, you can go have yourself a day. You know, go have some brunch or lunch in the Vista, hang out with your buddies, walk over to Colonial Life Arena, watch the game, and then you know have a, a nice evening out in the capital city. I, honestly. If I were there, that's probably what I'd be doing. Now, that would be a, that sounds like a good time for me, uh, going to a basketball game and hanging out in the Vista. The weather—I don't know what the weather is down there, or yeah, over there in Columbia. but um, it's uh, you know probably not bad. I would say for first of February. So go on and, and check them out. Gamecocks again, seventy-fifth in the net, twelve and eight. Four and three. Missouri's two and five. I think they're 10 and 10 overall. Um, and the Gamecocks certainly have a shot to win their favorite. All right. Yesterday it was announced that the SEC, with the TV money, would distribute $44.6 million to each school. I think, if I'm not mistaken, that's probably 8 to $10 million more than last year It's part of the TV deal. Um, and of course, it, it, it brings a discussion every time we talk about this kind of money because this money goes up every year. Uh, and, look, it could go up another 20 to 25 um, if, as rumored, ESPN and Disney buy out the CBS contract for the SEC game of the week and then that new money kicks in so it could, it could go up 20 to 25. So, I mean, GameCast could end up, and every school in the, in the league, could end up pocketing 70, 75 million a year uh, from TV money. Per school, so that's that's strong. I mean, that's the Big Ten distributes around, you know, the forties and the forties. Uh, but you know, you add the new SEC deal onto that, they could they could leave the Big Ten in the dust. No other leagues coming close to those kind of numbers. I mean, they get some ACC. I think it's twenty five to thirty. Big 12 is less. Pac-12 is less than that. Um, so it sparks a discussion in Gamecock Land and. You know, this is the type of stuff I always heard back in the '90s. Uh, of course, the message boards were just brand new. There was no Twitter, but you know, talking to my Gamecock buddies and stuff like that. When when the program sort of hit rock bottom, one in twenty one, end of Brad Scott. You hire Lou Holtz, he goes winless. Uh, Gamecocks were the worst team in the SEC for two years. Uh, it looked hopeless. Now, at the time, Clemson wasn't winning national championships; they were three and eight and six and six. But you know, it just looked it looked sad. It looked tough, and so you look at it. And now, you know, the Gamecocks are coming off a four and eight record, which is you know the second worst record they've had since 0-11. They had a Power Five losing streak that equaled the '90s that they broke against Kentucky and then they beat Georgia and everybody had hope. And then there was no more hope um, it, going into year five of a hire that was, you know, a guy replacing a legend that had gotten fired from another school that was, you know, I thought it was a gutsy hire, not, not a when people said lazy. It's easy, lazy hire. No, it's, it's not. It's not like football recruiting folks. Coach hires are not recruiting. You know, like in recruiting where you just take the guy that wants to come, no matter how good or bad he is, that's not how it is when you're hiring coaches. Uh, it's not like recruiting. People grade it like that, but it, that's just not how it works because, um, you know, it's more about the individual and the fit and all that. And But, you know, bottom line, and, and I can sit here and talk till I'm blue in the face about how I thought Will Muschamp was the right guy at the right time, and I still believe that, right guy at the right time. Um, In terms of what the program needed, Uh, but you're not going to believe me or or agree with me. A a lot of you, and that's fine because that's you know. And look now, you know when I'm looking, living in the now. Yeah, he's done some really good things, and yeah, the program's probably in better shape than people think, and yeah, it's in much better shape roster wise than it was. But you got to win. I mean, year going into year five, (laughs) you got to win. You know, nobody sat here and said that's a six-year rebuild in terms of rebuilding it to bowl eligibility. You know, because they were bowl eligible the first three years. You know, it's inexcusable, inexcusable season. But I still believe Will Muschamp right guy at the right time when he was hired. But I understand that you know Lou Holtz and Steve Spurrier were universally praised hires and beloved and everybody was a hero talking about how great they were and all that stuff and that's fine cuz that's Lou Holtz and Steve Spurrier and they brought a big track record with them and that's cool and they they did well both of them you know and uh, I, although I will remind you that in year 4 Holtz went 5 and 7 and lost 63 to 17 to Clemson and that was not that's probably the best team Tommy Bowden had but you know that was a Clemson team that also Wake Forest beat 45-17 uh, But I'm not comparing the two. I mean, I, I thought even at that time there was still talent on the run. I mean, you know, then they got back to six and five the next year, and then Lou retired after year six. Um, so, yeah, that, that was year five. Year four, they went five and seven, Um, and I believe lost their last five. They lost by seven to Clemson that year. Corey Jenkins, Dondrell Pinkins, that, that was that season. They didn't have a good offense at all. but um, so anyway, that's uh, th- that's kind of the deal there. I mean, it's an unpopular hire. and it's an unpopular hire at the time where you know, he walked on campus, you know two years, a little you know a little less than two years, calendar years after the Gamecocks finished fourth in the country and ended, you know, the best period in school history, 42-11 and 11, and five straight wins over Clemson and two Citrus Bowls, an Outback Bowl, and an SEC East Championship. Now, it would have been nice during that time had Carolina played in maybe the Sugar Bowl because <laughs> that's still something the Gamecocks have never done. No sugar, no cotton, no fiesta, no orange. But Carolina, you know, was... A top ten program, you know, for for four years, three years, and you know, so, so that's tough because you didn't inherit a top ten program. You inherited three and nine, but it was recently that where they were. So there was going to be no patience. You know, there, there's no, there's not as much patience at South Carolina as there once was because the standards have changed. and Will Muschamp said that. Any overachieve, overachieve. Um, Injury riddled year, and then last year, best team four and eight. Ooh, that t- that's tough. Meanwhile, at the same time, you have a situation in baseball, which is was a national power, where the whole Holbrook era did not work out. They go hire Mark Kingston. There's hope. A super regional his first year, but last year's team was not supposed to be good. John Whittle even said, "Eh, they'll be fortunate if they made the NCAA tournament." And then it's a historically bad SEC, eight and twenty-two. I think they barely got to five hundred, um, and so that was disappointing. You know, last calendar, last academic year, you got basketball went to a Final Four two years ago, two five hundred seasons in a row, uh, and now everybody's on pins and needles, as I just talked about, to try to get back to the NCAA tournament. And what's holding them back right now is two losses to two terrible. I'm not saying terrible teams, but two, you know, lowly ranked mid-major. They're called buy games because you basically buy a win. And, and you don't want to lose those. And they lost some last year they shouldn't have lost. And so, you know, the, the, there's some angst and consternation there. Meanwhile, up at Clemson, we've talked about their football success. Uh, baseball kind of been bad in the postseason with Monty Lee, but... I still think Monty Lee's a good coach. Uh, You know, in basketball, that's not a great basketball job. Um, They did go to Sweet 16 two years ago. Uh, But Clemson, once every 10 years or so in basketball, will make a run. Um, And and you kind of look at it, and you're like, well, you know, (laughs) it's a tough time. So you you start to wonder, and, and football drives all this. You know, there's no question football drives all this. And you look at Clemson and and how they recruit and what they do and, you know, their facilities rank number one in the country because it's unique, you know. Um, They rank number one in the country in recruiting and sometimes, according to some, uh, they're at least top three. Uh, They played for four national championships and won two of them in the playoff era. Uh, They're riding high. And they're not making as much – they don't get as much money from the conference as South Carolina. So – this conversation starts happening when things are not looking good in columbia but then things in the upstate you know start to turn and even back in 98 99 you know it was it was kind of worse because clemson would still propagate this narrative that carolina's terrible because they were winning that game when they weren't really doing much either in the acc now you look at it and and, and man you know, Clemson's schedule last year, you know, even a, an injured South Carolina team probably could have gotten to a bowl, you know, against that schedule. Uh, I think, you know, and it may have been seven and five, you know, I, I think. But uh, I think they could have gotten to a bowl. Um, and I say injured. I Injured team was really 2018. 2019, no excuse. But I, I still think, you know, you uh, there's a chance they would have gotten to a bowl, let's put it this way, because I keep remembering they lost to App State and North Carolina and Missouri and all these other teams. So I get it. And I get it that when you look at Clemson's schedule next year where, who do you play Notre Dame and South Carolina? That's, you know, that's it. And I also get that this program, athletic program, has has a history with the ACC. A lot of people now that the Gamecocks have been in the SEC for 30 years don't recall it. But you know, so you get the talk, the talk. Well, what's the money? What good's the money done at Carolina because it's not equal in wins? Well, let me just take you back twenty years. Um, Mike McGee, as good as he was at making splash coaching hires in certain sports, um, they really didn't have a plan for facilities at the time um, to get them up to up to snuff with the rest of the SEC. Mike McGee went and made big-time splashy hires and kept ticket prices cheap. Now, I have some thoughts about outpricing fans um, as far as tickets go, um, but I also kind of um, think that facilities, nobody had any vision for facilities at the time with the exception of you know, building the Colonial Life Arena for basketball. And they did get that done under his watch. But, you know, at what cost? I don't know. You know, we can debate that, the CLA, at a different time. So Eric Hyman gets here, in know, five. And Steve is already there. Steve Spurrier at Florida, Florida kind of over the years has struggled in the same area in terms of having the vision to go build great facilities. And especially for football. You know, you don't need them. You got the head ball coach. You got a bunch of Florida talent you got a great stadium, Swamp. I mean, you're going to win. And I think, you know, it's great, you know. But with recruiting and things like that and the facilities, other schools. Were, I mean, I went out to Ole Miss. That's the one time I met Ed Orgeron during my career. I went out to Ole Miss in 06, I think. And they had a big indoor attached to a locker room, attached to an ops center. I mean, South Carolina had nothing like that. They had the Floyd building was so basically an office building in an end zone. Um, so Hyman got there. They had to, they had to build new training facilities in Williams Bryce, uh, and then they had the, the 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 other building on the other side, the, the Cruise Building, where they lifted weights. Um, and that was obsolete within five years, seven years before they got the because all that's in the, the new ops center. Um. They had to do that. Uh, the stadium didn't even look like the Gamecocks played there. Spurrier kind of led the charge to put some paint and, you know, hey, let's let's make sure people know the Gamecocks play here. Um, you know, you had to build a new baseball stadium, which was promised Ray Tanner, and, you know, that helped win national championships. Um, you know, you, you look around Athletics Village, uh, the Rice Athletics Center, where the offices are. They were in the old roundhouse before. It was tough, <laughs> to say the least. The Doty Anderson Academic Center, which is huge in recruiting for all sports. You know, people, you know, Don Staley gets five star players and elite players because they're successful. They won national championships and they're Don Staley. But when you get in a battle with UConn or Tennessee uh, for one of these guys, or gals, the, the Doty Anderson Academic Center. So, a lot of times, it's the difference. I've been told by many recruits that's that's the nicest academic center in the country. So you go on that. You go, you know, six fifty Lincoln. Is that essentially? It's an athletic dorm. They built that. You know, all the you know other facilities, softball stadium, um, track got remodeled. All this other stuff. Then you look at what Williams Bryce. They've done at Williams Bryce, the fairgrounds parking area. I mean, that's totally different than it used to be. Springs Brooks Plaza that circles the stadium that makes it look kind of, you know, really nice. Um, Aesthetically outside, you know, it's as nice as it's ever looked. Uh, the, The farmer's market area with Gamecock Park. And then you go back there. South Carolina had the worst, the worst college football practice setup I have ever seen ever. It was the worst in the country, not power five in the country. You're on a busy road with trucks and some idiot fans at times walk by, you know, probably, you know, I'm not going to say they're all Clemson fans, but some of them yelled, go Tigers, go Tigers, when you're screaming by. You know, you had to stop traffic to cross the stadium to practice. You're right there on the road. You know, the fields were so-so. It was it was awful. It was awful. And they needed they needed that. Asap. So you built a you know beautiful new practice fields back toward the back. Um, You built a hundred yard indoor. The game guys had a fifty yard indoor facility probably before anybody, but a hundred yard indoor facility that's you know square footage wise largest in the country. uh, Extremely nice. And then you know so you roll that way, and uh, then there's the ops building that they just built for fifty million for football. Um, so there's just a lot that Carolina did not have that during the past 20 years, and that's not even talking about all the buildings academically they built across the campus. If you left South Carolina in 1999, went to the moon, and came back in 2019, you wouldn't recognize USC or, or the athletics facilities and stuff. I mean, you, you could recognize that it was, you know, williams Bryce Stadium, but man, it's, it's a lot nicer. Now, on the inside, that's the next step. They're going to try to fix some of that. Lord knows it needs to be. And that stuff gets amplified when you're losing. You know, nobody's complaining about the toilets when the Gamecocks are winning 11 games and beating Clemson. <laughs> nobody's complaining, which maybe they should have. Because, you know, I, 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 I kind of made an effort to sit in the Champions Club with some of my friends or the zone with some of my friends for that very reason. Uh, so you know South Carolina was behind and, and, and it's taken 20 years to, to catch up and you know you're never going to be better in facilities than hundred percent across the board than everybody else you're always going to need something and somebody's always going to keep building and build something so it's 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 like the game where you you see you can you know get to the top of the bat but I'll tell you this: There's no top of the bat. This is an endless bat. So you're all you always got to be progressing, moving forward, seeing what you can do, how you can help your student athletes. You have no chance in recruiting these days if you do not have um, a, a a an experience. You know, um, you have to have. You know, you have to have a great facility for them to go. Uh, hang out, And you have to have all the support staff, the mental health, the, the actual health, the nutrition, training table, nice training facilities. Um, you take a hit if you don't have good practice facilities, if you don't have a good practice setup. Um, Gamecocks have been, you know, hurt by that before. Uh, you know, you, you, you just you have to have it. And you can't do that without money. And South Carolina, the Gamecock Club, is an excellent fundraising arm. Uh, Plenty of members, plenty of support there that comes in from across the state and beyond. Um, But South Carolina, as a university, does not have, you know, the the, the Bull Gator types, a lot of them. They don't have a lot of Bull Gator types. You know, they don't have a lot of uh, Red Elephant Club Bama types. Uh, You know, the guys that, you know, like the the Haslam guy at Tennessee and, and a few of his buddies, You know, they have big-time donors, super-rich people that support the Gamecocks, but there's not as many of them. And that makes sense. You know, it's not, you know, South Carolina's probably got, you know, big bunny booster-wise, it's probably about like Mississippi State. Um, And and Mississippi State has great fans, great facilities, you know, and uh, they're just in the West. Uh, Plenty of money, you know. But, um, also has a former baseball coach as their athletic director uh you know so you look at it it, 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 it's just a fact of life i mean i don't know that they have as many as clemson um and 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 that's just how it is and and there's nothing wrong with that you know maybe maybe we all can win the lottery and (laughs) and you know then i'd quit doing this obviously and just be a, a booster that'd be awesome but no i i think that uh that's just one of those things. I mean, it's just it's just one of those things. You know Carolina can compete, but it it, it you need the money coming in from the SEC to continue to do that, to continue to build. If you if, and let's say hypothetically, they did go back to the ACC, that money gets cut in half. Uh, you take away a lot of your advantages. Number one, you take it away being able to sell the SEC to recruits. Have we noticed? and we'll see what happens with Jordan Burch? But have we noticed, players don't leave the state anymore. They can play in the SEC right in, at South Carolina. If you go to the a- ACC, well, I don't know. Tennessee and Georgia have a better story to tell. You know, if, um, if uh, you know, so, so you do that. Uh, you look at Miami, one of the greatest programs in the history of college football. They went to the ACC. They've won one division title in the 20 years they've been there. It drugged them down. Boston College, Virginia Tech did really well for a while in that league. And Virginia Tech, you know, end of the Beamer era Fuente. I think Virginia Tech's still in good shape over in the Coastal. Um, it's a sea of mediocrity, in my opinion, outside of Clemson. And it, it's never going to be the SEC. So, you know, we talk about perception meaning a lot in college football with recruiting, things like that, it means, still means a lot. And the other thing you have to keep in mind is wh- whatever's happened, you know, the last 20 years doesn't mean squat in terms of what can happen. You always want potential. Um, you know, and, and so people look at it, they're like, oh, you know, just, you know, and, and I think people almost give Steve Spurrier too much credit. Um, he was the best coach in school history, still is. Uh, led the game Gamecocks to some great years, um, was a winner, and is probably the, my favorite coach ever of all time. But, you know, a lot happened. Carolina had a lot of good players then. Carolina had pretty good defense then. You know, Carolina, you know, there was a lot going right. The new facilities helped them recruit players. Same with Will Muschamp. He's, you know, continuing to recruit players. And the facilities help, you know, because South Carolina's sort of grown up as a football program. And, you know, what happened this past year doesn't matter. I mean, if, if, if Will Muschamp doesn't turn it around next year and they make a change, you know, what he did doesn't matter. You know, and, and so, and here's why you're in the SEC East. And until Florida comes back all the way and wins national championships again, because that's their ceiling, you know. If Dan Mullen wins a national championship at Florida, great. You know, then it gets tougher. You know, Tennessee comes all the way back, great. But you're in the SEC East. If Carolina were in the West, like if I'm Arkansas right now, I'm loving the money, but I'm still kind of sitting there going, man. And you know, keep in mind Arkansas has some pretty wealthy alums. Jerry Jones, um, uh, the Walmart family up there, Tyson Chicken. You know, Arkansas they they could they have a lot of big time boosters. Um, you know, I'm I'm saying the money's great, but good God, we were a national power in basketball. Uh and I think the SEC over time kind of eroded that. Um and they're one of those that goes up and down and up and down and up and down now. Uh, football, shoot, they were good enough to win three SEC West titles, and now you got kind of a, the blockade. You know, uh, we talked about the cabal during the season a lot, but that's the blockade in the SEC West. And, and, and you're like, well, gosh, man, if if we continue on this path of rock bottom, I mean. Where do we fit? And honestly, when you kind of look at it, you know, because when Arkansas was winning that league, that division, you know, Bama hadn't come. They were kind of in the wilderness through the the mics, Mike DeBose, Price, Shula. Um, you know, Auburn was always kind of up and down under Tuberville, uh, really up and then just sort of down, and then finally they had five and seven, and they fired him. Um, LSU in the 90s when arkansas won it first couple of times uh actually it was in 2003 when they it was it was 94 and then 03 so in the 90s and then uh, you know in the early 20s not a, it was not 03 i'm sorry it was 02 cuz they won it they won the last the year georgia won their first title um since 1980 georgia went to the dome for the first time in 02 and that was against arkansas Um, So they won it in 94, Danny Ford. They won it in 02. um, And then they won it again in 06. Well, in in 02, that was right before the next year when LSU – and Arkansas kind of had a way under Houston, of upsetting LSU. uh, LSU started their run under Saban. And that was short-lived, obviously, because he went to the Dolphins. Uh, And then in 06 – That was the year before, actually. Les Miles won his national championship at LSU, and Arkansas upset him. Um, And so that division was different. Now you're you're just sitting there because we're we're going on now, you know, 15 years of Auburn, LSU, Bama dominating that division, and now Texas A&M's in it. So if I'm Arkansas, I'm definitely going. You know. If the big 12 weren't so dysfunctional and geared towards financially propping up two schools, maybe you'd consider going back. But that's not the case at South Carolina. I mean look folks, let, let, let's just be honest. Had it not been for some games that Steve in Steve Spurrier sometimes to, to, even at Florida, you know they never went undefeated at Florida. You know, there would be a game ultimately they'd lose. It wasn't his fault you know necessarily all the time but there were games at South Carolina was, oh, during that 3 year run I can point them out in 2011 no reason to lose to an 8 and 5 Auburn team at home 16 to 13 October 1st 2011 I remember that day for a number of reasons 16 to 13 uh, you know and, and that was awful because South Carolina put put a lot of points on the board uh, uh, against some other teams that year, and on top of that, folks. I mean, you know, it, it was a it was a deal where they just didn't play well. CBS game didn't play well. Other than, you know, you win that one, you go to the dome. No. You know, 2012 because there was a three way deal with Florida and Georgia. You know, I don't know that you look at a game and say he shouldn't have lost. Surprising, they lost to Will Muschamp's Florida team, his best team, forty-four to eleven. But I will chalk that up to the schedule uh, and having to go, you know, out to LSU and then down to Florida back-to-back weeks. You know that Florida game normally was in November, and that was the first time it had moved back to October. Now, nowadays the schedule's changing and all that. But during that point, we we that was right when expansion happened. Twenty twelve was the first year for Missouri and A and M. Um, And so the schedule got all jumbled up. Carolina had to go to LSU and Florida back-to-back after playing Georgia. Um, So you chalk that up. That 2012 team, I think, shoot, and even if they hold on to LSU against LSU, the loss to Florida, I think at that point there's a three-way tie. Gamecocks may have been ranked higher. I don't know. So so there's that. You know, LSU was a two-point loss. I think that was an eight- or nine-win LSU team. You know, Carolina certainly had its chances in that football game. All right? 2013, the most costly loss in the history of the program outside of the 84 Navy game at Tennessee. Five and seven Tennessee team, Butch Jones' first year, they're rebuilding. Gamecocks give up a long pass late. Offense struggled some that day. Uh, just weird kind of game plan with Connor Shaw and, you know, and that. Ah. I was at that one. That was that was bad. Gamecocks win that one. You know, then they go to Missouri the next weekend and pull off a victory. The Gamecocks win that one. They're going to play Auburn in the dome. Uh, it's not L- and, and Ellis Johnson was Auburn's D coordinator at the time. It was Malzahn's first year. They had gone from zero and eight to winning the West on the kick six. So you look at that. Um, Gamecocks probably defensively and offensively match up better than Missouri did against Auburn. And who knows? You know, that 2013 team had a Connor Shaw that could throw it. Um, Good backs, Mike Davis. I mean, they beat a lot of good teams. Gave Central Florida their only loss, gave Missouri. I think they beat like three or four top ten teams. There's nothing that says Auburn, although they've owned the Gamecocks, would have won. Well, meanwhile, Michigan State beats Ohio State, and the one-loss SEC champ Auburn Tigers go and play Florida State in the Rose Bowls. The Game guys had a path to play for it all that year, and it didn't happen. Um, even the 2014 team, those three games where they had double-digit, <laughs> double-digit fourth-quarter leads against division opponents, Kentucky, Missouri, Tennessee, and blew it because of the defense, they win those three. They're still a 9-3 division. The division was bad that year. They're still a 9-3 division champion, You know, probably sacrif- sacrificial lamb to Alabama uh, in the Dome that year. So, so, so let's go back and look at it. This is a program that for five years could have won five straight SEC. He's going to play for the SEC championship five straight years under Steve Spurrier. That didn't happen. But that shows you that the potential is there. Uh, Again, it's the SEC East. Now, it probably won't stay that way forever. Nothing lasts forever. Alabama's run under Nick Saban won't last forever. Clemson's under Dabo Sweeney will not. LSU may be a three-loss team next year. Nothing lasts forever. It seems that way now because we're inundated with recruiting rankings and hype and all this other stuff. And in the playoff era, we haven't had a lot of diversity, you know, which I think they need to probably expand it. And I wasn't on that bandwagon for a while, but I do think that as long as, the, in my opinion, they shouldn't include the group of five teams, you know, the top eight period, um, that would probably make some things a little more exciting. But I, you know, I understand what era we're in and I understand the negativity. But you know, don't think for a minute, the, 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 you know, with the right combination of things, South Carolina can't be relevant and relevant on a national scale. And that's the beauty of being in the SEC. You know, that's the beauty of it. Because if you can win your division, you can be in the mix, you know. And um, South Carolina, you know, for could have won five straight very, I mean, you look at the individual games that caused them and it, it almost makes you throw up. You know, almost makes you throw up because it was the inexplicable losses across the board. And, and so, so if this program just a you know five years ago could have gone on a run like that, you know what's to say you can't do it again? I mean, you know, I I, I, I understand that Clemson's really good, but Clemson was pretty good back then, and Clemson does not play in the SEC East. So, you know, when you're talking about, hey, let's just uh, fall on the sword here and, you know, cut our revenue to, to a third of what it is from TV and go to a lesser conference just so you can maybe win eight or nine in a bad, you know, in a in a decent year in a league that does not, you know, you're not going to get the recruiting pop and it's probably going to kill other sports too. Although men's basketball and women's basketball, it's it's a good league there, and it's a decent baseball league. I think it's a little different style of play in the ACC, but you know, I I, I don't know. I, I understand the discussion, and I love these types of discussions. But you know, the money is a good thing. You should overwhelmingly be thankful if you're a game guy fan that more money's pouring in. More money means more resources, nicer everything, better players. Better ability to attract coaches, and just like I said on the, on the on the big spur today, you know what if Frank Martin left after this year? I certainly I'll be Dutton. He's one of my favorite basketball coaches of all time. Uh, I think the guy gets unnecessarily criticized. We'll talk about this some other time, though, because we're running out of time. But you know what if he does? Well, at that point, I think the men's basketball program has needs to go make a we're not going to take it anymore higher. You know, which means go get a Rick Patino or a Greg Marshall, which is going to take money. You, you know, you, 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 you want to go go pay a basketball coach four million dollars? Well, if you've got between forty four and seventy four million coming in in TV money a year, you know, plus donations from the Gamecock Club, plus uh, you know, operate. I mean, it's 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 staggering. So you can afford that. You know, go to the ACC. No, not, probably not. Probably not going to pay that much. Um, and so that's the whole thing. I mean, you know, let's say Frank Martin turns, you know, turns around, goes to the NCAA tournament, signs a contract extension. Maybe you got to hold off another school or something. And, and you're going to say, hey, well, Frank Martin has everything going well. And men's basketball, you know, Don Staley's certainly the topic. Let, let's build them a world class basketball ops facility. Well, that takes money, <laughs> and and you know, and that helps recruiting. You know, heck, I don't know. I, it's just it's one of those things. I, I'm just I understand the frustration right now because winning is everything. But I, I would caution everybody about looking a gift horse in the mouth as far as this SEC money goes. I think it's it's uh it's only going to help South Carolina. And it, and it disproportionately, you know, I mean, other schools, Alabama could probably survive without it. Tennessee probably could survive without it, um, without the big number. South Carolina cannot. I mean, you know, you want to continue to compete at the highest level. And, and look, I'll point out, too, for as much consternation as angst, uh, and angst there is we just completed the best decade of South Carolina sports history. <laughs> You know, two national championships in baseball, played for a third, two Final Fours in women's basketball and a national title, a Final Four in men's basketball, an SEC East championship and three straight 11-win seasons in football, plus a top-five finish. I know the decade didn't end well, but that's the bottom line is, those of you that want to talk about history, that's the best they've done across the board. And so I think the idea is to continue to invest wisely in your resources because those resources, those facilities, and all that building you did—that uh, you know people are like—it has not gotten any wins. Well, yeah, it did when you look at the big picture. You know, you don't spend the money to get Frank Martin. You don't go to the Final Four. You know, you don't go spend the money to get Dawn Staley. Uh, keep her happy. You don't win those championships. You don't build that stadium. I don't think Ray Tanner wins the, the national titles. Um, you know, you, you don't improve the football facilities like they did under Spurrier. You don't probably don't get the players to make that run. So, anyway, food for thought there, folks. I, I went on and on about it, but that's just uh, that's just kind of how I uh, how I feel uh, about that. I was like, you know, don't 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 sit there and complain about forty four point six million dollars going into the coffers. All right, basketball this weekend, big recruiting weekend, in football. Folks, hope uh, you enjoyed these podcasts this week. I've certainly enjoyed bringing them to you. Don't forget, you can subscribe. It's free uh, on iTunes and on Spotify. Uh, and also, if you go to 247sports.com slash podcast, find our podcast there. It links to things like the Stitcher app and you know other places where you can download uh, each and every episode and listen to the Inside the Gamecast podcast. We'll see you Monday. This is J.C. Sherbert. Have a great weekend, everybody.